Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a Welcome to the Dork Forest. I'm Jackie Cation. I'm your host. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com, and FamilyPetAncestry.com. They all lead to a variety of places where you can listen to the Dork Forest. Uh, I'm Jackie Cation. I'm your host. It is November or December. In November and December, I ask that you do not donate to the Dork Forest. You instead find a local food bank and give them the, either the 10 to to $100 that you were going to give the Dork Forest, because I know you were. Because uh, I have a PayPal button that you can start donating to again in January. But to find a local food bank in your neighborhood, you can go to feedingamerica.org and you can put in your zip code. If you do not live in the United States, you can put in the name of your town and the word food bank and it will come up. You can do that here in the United States as well, oddly enough. Uh, the internet works like that everywhere, it turns out. So do that. Don't donate to the Dork Forest. If you want to support the Dork Forest still in these months, there are ways. You can get stuff for people for the holidays as trinkets, as gifts. You can get T-shirts and CDs and merch over at JackieCation.com at, on the store. There's going to be a new stand-up shirt uh, coming out, and that actually will not benefit me. That'll be a benefit for different charities, I think, is what that's going to be. All of it's available digitally. You know, iTunes and Amazon and Comedy Film Nerds has my DVD as a downloadable video, comedyfilmnerds.com. But if you want hard copies of the DVD of the CDs, you can get them at jackiecation.com. I also have a stand-up comedy T-shirt, my spooky reading girl T-shirts. I have Dork Forest T-shirts and Ranger of the Dork Forest T-shirts. I have hoodies in stock. It is winter. And so if you want a hooded sweatshirt, zip hoodie, I actually have all the sizes in stock. You can email me, Jackie at JackieCation.com, to make sure that they are still in stock at any time, of course. Uh, and I will tell you if they are. And if they aren't, it would be back order, and it might be a while. So know in your heart. Other than that, another way to support the show, if you, uh, because you're not donating in November and December, is to continue to use the Amazon banner on JackieCation.com and DorkForest.com. There is a link uh, to support the show, and all it is is it's a link through to Amazon. And you order normally, like you would from Amazon. The Dork Forest just gets a little bit of a kickback for your order. It doesn't cost you extra at all. You can... Uh, see my calendar, where I'm doing stand-up comedy. You can always follow me on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook. The Facebook page is Jackie Cation hyphen Joke Smith. That's my fan page. If you have listened to all 600 and whatever episodes of The Dork Forest and would like more Dork Forest, there are premium episodes, probably a dozen of them. And they are, in the last couple of years, if I do a live episode, it usually costs me some money. So I have been putting them up on Bandcamp, and they cost money. They cost two bucks a pop. But if you go to the thedorkforest.bandcamp.com, you can see those different shows. They're usually live episodes around the world. And there is also a, a four- Four stories on a on a sort of a handmade storytelling album that I made over there too, and those are just a buck each. So if you want to go to Bandcamp, you can do that as well. Oh, why don't I do the the credits? The Dork Forest is not made possible just by me, Jackie Cation. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio, by God, and it's going to be great. 
And Mike Rickberg sang that song you just heard. He composed and sang it with his wife, Sarah Cohen. He will sing his words to the Mexican hat dance at the end of the program. And Vilmos fixes JackieCation.com. He does, uh, he does the website. Go to allthingscomedy.com and find other podcasts there. I also have another podcast called The Jackie and Lori Show with Lori Kilmartin on the Nerdist Network. Uh, dorks, nerds, we're all in this together. The Jackie and Lori Show is literally... Lori Kilmartin and I discussing and just essentially just going off about stand-up comedy. So if you like stand-up comedy, you might like the Jackie and Lori show over on Nerdist. Anyway, let's get into this show because it's awesome. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I'm in the living room again. And this time I'm with Paul Saborin of Paul and Storm. We met on the Joko Cruise. Hello there. Hello there. And welcome to the Dork Forest. It's a genuine pleasure to be here. Yeah, we've we, been. Uh, yeah, we tried to make this happen on the past Joko cruise that you were on, which I recorded, I believe, twelve episodes of, and I could have recorded seventeen hundred and eighty. I bet uh, because I walked onto the Joko cruise. <laughs> it is. I, it is, in fact, a dork forest. <laughs> it is a forest of dork that floats along on the ocean. I walked into the Joko cruise, nerd cruise, uh, Jonathan Colton uh, cruise, by the way, and uh, I was like, oh. It'll be fun. <laughs> I was yeah. like, we, we get a lot of people reacting that they're that when their first time they yeah. step onto the ship and their 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 initial feeling is, ah, <sighs> yes, it's like, oh, there's that guy, the didactic guy, which uh, I don't mind actually because I do the dork for us, right? And so please alert me to the minutia of whatever you enjoy, whether it's the Venture Brothers or yeah. uh, the Ghost of Mister Chicken, because it turns out a lot of people on our cruise care a lot. About a lot of minutiae. About stuff. About <laughs> things and stuff. <laughs> right. They've got t-shirts. There's, they've got, yeah. I, I like to think of it as uh, our, our ship is full of weaponized enthusiasm. <laughs> yes. And I remember there was some trouble with the internet the first couple of days. There's always trouble with the internet because we break the internet on any ship we go on. Because it's full of 1,700 nerds. Yes. Be, yeah. and, and it's a ship that's usually full of 1,700, Elder- let's say, retired people. <laughs> Exactly. People to whom flip phones are not a foreign thing. And every year we tell them, we're going to break your internet. Yeah. Please shore up your internet, internet. please. (laughs) And they say, no problem. No worries. We have families on our cruise. And we go, no, you don't understand. Mm -mm. We're like, we're like the person in early on in the disaster film that's shouting and trying to warn everyone. Of the Godzilla's impending disaster. <laughs> you don't understand. You're next. <laughs> uh, and inevitably, uh, one way or another, we, we will uh, cripple the internet for it's, it's true. one it, or several days. It's super dorky. And then a, a, a friend of mine told me uh, that she is going on on the Joko cruise. And she said, I saw that they take Bitcoin. And I said, you have, still have Bitcoin? And she was like, I don't think you understand the value of Bitcoin. And I was like, you were correct. Uh, I don't know. Would you like to come on the dork for us to talk about Bitcoin? She said, I don't actually understand the value of Bitcoin. I stumbled into some Bitcoin uh, probably 10, 15 years ago, and now it's worth $10,000. And I'm like, okay. Uh, so she's coming on the cruise. Awesome. And then my friend, of course, Maria Bamford, is going to come on the show and she be sure. Maria Bamford. Oh, yes. <laughs> on, the, on the cruise? You yes, mean? yes, yes. She's, excited, about, she's excited about the buttons, by the way. The button. Uh, oh, yes, yes, I can do friendship. Yes. No, I can't do friendship. Yes, we do. Uh, we instituted those a couple of years ago, I think, and yeah. they're a big hit. They're a huge hit because she's like, uh, she's like. Sometimes I can talk to people, and sometimes I cannot. And I was like, well, uh, I recommend you do some hiding in your room, and then you get mm-hmm. nodded at a lot. Yep. Which is what the no people get. They That's get a right. lot of. Hmm. 
Hmm. Nod, yep, nod. Yep. And fair enough. Yeah. Uh, for, uh, just as a brief manner yeah. of explanation slash plug for your listeners who may not be familiar with exactly what we're talking about, we think you get the gist. But the Joko Cruise uh, was started in 2011, uh, hosted by internet singer-songwriter Jonathan Colton. Uh, international he, uh, phenom and man of mystery man of mystery <laughs> uh, writer of many things including the portal the songs. portal song at the end of the with the credits yes which made me laugh uh, and it is partly a music and comedy festival partly a pop culture and sci-fi and fantasy convention partly I learned a about tabletop Steven, oh, yeah, go ahead. Steven universe yes. last year yes uh, as partly uh, there's tabletop. a lot of tabletop gaming and just a lot of random but highly focused nerdery, right? Pinging about everywhere. It's it, we like to think of it as it's all the the best parts of a con and a festival without any of the stinky parts right. put onto a floating hotel that stops places with beaches and fruity drinks and going to and, and essentially uh, wandering around that coast down to Mexico and up the yeah this, up the uh, la- San. Uh, yes, uh, the Baja California. Yeah, yeah leaves out of San peninsula. Diego. Uh, this year it's uh, February 18th to 25th, 2018. Mm-hmm. Jackie will be returning. I will be returning. We could not keep her away if we uh, wanted to, no. and we didn't want to. I was glad you didn't want to, because when we left, Andy Ashcraft, my husband, and and game designer, and a guy that was dipped pleasantly in, in, in your nerdery. Uh, <laughs> I like that as, image. As we, <laughs> yes. Boy, now he's he was like Achilles. frosted. He was like Achilles, <laughs> yeah. just his ankle. <laughs> So that's the only part that Except will... it's covered in like chocolate instead of... <laughs> right. Or it's covered in a sport. There you go. <laughs> uh, and that sport, sadly, still pretty dorky, soccer. Sure. Uh, so, but uh, as we were leaving, he said, we may have to buy tickets next year if they don't ask you back. And I was like, well, they will take our money, it turns out. It turns out and, uh, we're not averse. And you're not averse. And so it's... Uh, yeah, but it is super fun. Thank you. Um, we think so. We, I had a really, really good time. We went to Loreto. Uh, Mexico, which yes. is never a place in Mexico I've ever heard of, obviously. No, us neither tiny. before then. Right. And it's not, I've never, I'd never been to Mexico before, but the only places I had ever wanted to go in Mexico were the places with the stepped, um, oh, the, yeah, the, the pyramids. The, I was the, like, there's nine pyramids on the planet. Yeah. I want to look at three of them, please. Sure. Uh, but that's more inland yes. and there'll be another day. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and it was fine because, uh, I was, he was playing games 10 hours a day and I was wandering around, uh, trying to get the internet and and, <laughs> and recording it, many many episodes many episodes of the some amazing episodes the escape room one uh with the with the the young man i can't remember the guy's name uh, mike selinker maybe nope but uh he writes he 50 minutes in by the way we're gonna get to your dorkdom eventually. oh yeah, no, yeah. and uh the, you'll get credit for this i think my minutes. dorkdom is i I, shouldn't, <laughs> I didn't select it but i probably should have selected my dorkdom is running cruises exactly because you you <laughs> Essentially, run the joke. That is all I talk about and think about. I'm one of the four people. I should say. Yes. I don't want to don't wanna overstate my. No, role. no, you're one a of the team one effort. of the four uh, uh, partners r- yes. running the event. So, and by the way, uh, Paul Saborn is at Paul and Storm. You are part of a musical duo. Yes, with uh, Mr. Storm. Yes, uh, and Mr. Paul. And uh, you're I'm Mr. The, I'm, Paul. The, I'm the latter. Right. And so it's at Paul and Storm on Twitter and Instagram. Probably yeah, all the, all the social things. And it's paulandstorm.com if you want to go see samples and stuff. And I'm yes. sure it's on YouTube. All of your albums are on iTunes and and wherever people. Yeah, that fine albums. On, uh, all those places plus off of our website. Right. Uh, and uh, Mystery Science Theater, were you on? Yeah, the we new actually, uh, Storm and I both wrote for and wrote songs for this most recent reboot season of Mystery oh, Science Theater, fun. which is literal dream job. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, bet. I, genuinely back in 1993, the mm-hmm. first time I saw uh, an episode, which I think was Catalina Caper. Okay. My wife and I were in grad school, and I turned to her at some point and I said, 
that's what I wish I could do for a living, <laughs> is write for this show. Right. That was, that's almost verbatim. 93, uh, that's when I met them all, because I was in Minneapolis. Oh, yeah? Oh, I was right, a, I'm right. a Minneapolis comic, so Frank and Mary Jo are um, friends of mine. I think they would be better friends. Uh, Mary Jo is actually, I would consider. Frank, why? why? Frank's not listening. <laughs> Frank, you're a genius, is what Frank kind of Frank, is. Frank is Frank. Frank is Frank. He's TV's he's, Frank. He's on, his, he's on his own wavelength, but it is a fun and interesting it's a wavelength. delight. When he wrote for Sabrina the Teenage Witch, he moved here and got a writing job on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Right. And... Uh, he used to do, you know, when he lived in Los Angeles, he'd do stand-up at the same mm-hmm. nonsense gigs I do it at. And he, one of my favorite nights was he was talking about how people are like, oh, you're a writer. Where do you, what do you write on? And I was like, oh, T- Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. And he said, the best response I ever get is, people like it. <laughs> and you're like, nope. <laughs> that nice is try. Not, Swing yeah. and a miss. Swing and a miss. So I've had most of Mystery Science Theater on the sh- on the Dork Forest. I've mm-hmm. had Joel, I've had uh, Frank, and I've had Mary Jo. And I Trace, uh, I have not yet had. And Bill and Kevin. Uh, Bill and Kevin, I don't know. So, but I, but I have. They're had, all great. Uh, that's but that's. I think I've had Jonah Ray on. Yeah. The, the new. Right. The, the 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 new crew and um who knows? Who knows who else? Yeah. Who knows but what the future will hold? The future will hold you can collect the whole set eventually, you guys. Uh including my family members. But Paul Saborin, what I have to say about is uh first of all, you chose as a dorkdom something that I mixed up. I just had an episode with Scott Marvel Cassidy about indie music uh-huh. and you're like, No, it's not indie, it's outsider. What is the di- what, what? Wherein lies the difference? Between- Outsider music yes. is uh, it, it's it's a vague term. Yes, and it, uh, different people will define it different ways. Sure. The way I personally define it uh, is it is music created by people outside of the regular music industry. Okay. Uh, and step they, one, step one, <laughs> step uh, two, shiny haircut people yeah. could give a shit. <laughs> yes, exactly. Step one, <laughs> exactly. No expensive suits. <laughs> right. Uh, step two, uh, it has to be made by amateurs. Oh, uh, or is generally made by amateurs. Okay. Uh, who do not make a living at it. Exactly. Got it. Uh, and it is done, uh, out of love of music and passion. Oh, okay. And it is sincere. Like there is a lot of it, it. It kind of can be conflated with bad music. There is intentionally ah. bad music, much, much like there are sort of intentionally bad movies, right? So there, it's not you don't enjoy the kind of ironic outsider music, right? You like sincere outsider. I, music. Yes, I love music made by people who are not very good at it, but really, <laughs> but really putting commit. everything into it, committing. Fair to enough. It. It's like it's like. What it, do you love about that? I I love the passion and the sincerity of it, and I love someone not really caring what other people are going to think about it or about the results. About the results. Okay. Uh, I I love the purity of that. I guess there there's such a navite isn't the right word. There's certainly navite to a lot of it, right? But there is such a I say the word again sincerity to it that just this I have to make this music. You know, it's not right. my job. I'm not necessarily going to make any money out of it, although plenty of people will hope to be that it's going to be their job and hope to make money out of it. But regardless of it, they have to get this music out of them, even if it is terrible, awful music. (laughs) Well, which is hilarious, because the thing is, is I think with music as with stand up or whatever, um, or with 
drawing, mm-hmm. uh, everyone starts out with that. You know, mm-hmm. that this is my passion. It'd be great if I could do it for a living. Yeah. And then you keep doing it even though you're not doing it for a living. Yeah. It's like there's people at Etsy is chock full yes. of people yes, who exactly. are who do crafting like that. Mm-hmm. And um and there's there's sort of what about that moment when it's no longer outsider where something hits? Yep. What about that? Is it's, that still outsider? It sort of can be. Uh, there's very little of it that, that genuinely, quote unquote, hits like that. Although there are some examples. I have made some notes. Uh, right. The most recent, probably f- most famous current example of it is Florence Foster Jenkins, because there was just a recent movie uh, starring uh, Meryl Streep, okay. Oscar nominated, uh, who was a woman of means mm-hmm. in the early 20th century. Flora Foster Jenkins. Florence was? Foster Jenkins. Florence. Uh, who fancied herself a singer at the time it was you know opera songs and okay. more popular folk songs of the time mm-hmm. and she is a horrible singer <laughs> she has no good sense of pitch I'm sorry no. to laugh but I, the thing is is you have to laugh at that point where you're just like but you love the commitment yes okay but she had the money and the time sure. to be able to present concerts including a very famous i believe series of concerts at Carnegie Hall wow and people embraced her. A lot of it was, you know, kind of a very early example of ironic appreciation of right. things, uh, or sort of a hipster-like appreciation of yeah. things. But it is kind of hipsters up, of the twenties, exactly. Excellent. Uh, and uh, <laughs> but it is also kind of wrapped up in a sincere love of it. Um, and she was, she was, uh, she, she. Uh, somewhere I have a quote that I can't find on my computer at the moment. Sure, There's something along the lines of. They may say that I can't sing, but they can't say that I didn't sing. <laughs> wow. And it's, yeah, you, you say like it that? again. Yeah. They can't say that. They, 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 they may can't. say that I can't sing, but they can't say that I didn't sing. And that oh. actually kind of encapsulates what I love about this particular of type of music. Yeah. It's, you know, you know what? And that could be Say anything. what you want. I'm doing this. Right. Uh, and let me, I have a clip here. We're going to see if this works. Right, see how um, it sounds. This is Florence Foster Jenkins singing Mozart. That's real. Yep. That's that's that's, uh, that's genuine and sincere. It, it's, and, she's not putting on an act. She and it's a mess. And she, you know, she yeah. believes she is wonderful. Yeah. And and there is there's something I really love ab- about, about its kind of delusion. What year is that? Uh, this was from. Uh, oh uh, gosh, what years were it? She lived until 1944. I want to say that was recording was probably in the, in the teens or the twenties. Okay, I believe when she was particularly popular. All right, because the thing that. is, is um. It's interesting that she recorded that. Yes, uh, she again. You know, she had. She was a lady who had a lot of money. Yeah, a husband who supported her in doing all of this. Sure, you know, as long as Florence is happy, let's let's put it indulge on. her. Uh, yeah, her that whims. is some disposable income, man. Uh, then another example. Oh, so it, uh, going back to your question of what happens when something hits. Yeah, probably the most prominent example of that is Tiny Tim. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just an oddball, unique, one-of-a-kind musical character. What did Tiny Tim do? He sang... And danced songs. 
He sang songs mostly on ukulele. Okay. You know, most famous for Tiptoe Through the Tulips was his oh, hugest right. hit. But That's he, right. he became, he, for some reason, somebody found his music. I, I, I don't know enough. This is a problem with my dorkdom, is I'm not like a deep dive stats dorkdom oh, no, person. It's a, it's a, it's I'm a, a shallow I'm love. a dilettante. <laughs> Uh, so I, but You're so I don't. I'm, I'm shy on all the facts. People but, will email me more information. Sure, than I, of course. That, that's what the internet is for. That's right. Is for uh, angrily worded corrections, <laughs> or politely <laughs> or yes, worded, or supportive. Um, actually, yes, yes very yes, supportive. The, the textual version of pushing one's glasses up one's <laughs> exactly. nose, uh, yes. which we both just did in subconsciously <laughs> in support. Yes, only in support. Solidarity. Okay, uh, but he, I don't know if he was shopping his music around or if somebody just found him. Right. Uh, but somewhere along the way, a recording—I mean, a, a you know, a distributor or an A R guy—something said there's something to this. Right. Whether or not he meant it ironically or, or thought it it caught, would right. catch on, he said, "Let's record this and put it out." It went, came out, and it just—it blew hit. up. It yeah. caught on. It caught on for whatever reason. He became a fixture on things like the Tonight Show. He ended up actually. Uh, having his wedding live on the Johnny Carson Tonight Show. I've seen that clip. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and and he had a career Didn't for Didn't he marry decades. someone named, like Squiggy or something? No, Tiny Tim and... Oh, I cannot remember who... It wasn't Squiggy. It wasn't it was like from Squeaky Lincoln. From, but it was some... It felt like Squeaky From, yeah, but it was, it was not. Yes. Okay. Because uh, um, I wanted their names to both be interesting. Uh, so Tiny Tim... And he had a career kind of for decades. Yeah. And he always, you know, there was a certain degree of camp appreciation of yeah. his thing uh but he you know he stuck with it and he did his he, he did what he did yeah yeah he did it and some people liked it and some people loathed it yes. if i remember from the 70s yes. there was there was this backlash of why is this guy on television mm-hmm. he's a disaster and yes. you're like well don't watch it yeah. it's as per usual 27 years later <laughs> exactly i have a couple of since yeah. the, since the, the audio clip thing came it through worked, this, this is sort of this is from one of my categories of what i consider outsider music is is the sincere amateur the sincere inept amateur okay uh there is another reasonably famous example of a woman named mrs miller okay i am looking for the clip that i have of her right now give me a moment this was just this woman from middle america who sang sure. as a hobby yep and i believe a radio dj Heard her performing somewhere and, and said, "We have to record this lady." Wonderful. Uh, and she recorded several albums and had a brief period of appreciation for a few years. Chewbacca mask um, this lady. Is, what year is this? This is oh, uh, I want to say late fifties, early sixties. Okay, certainly that era. Um, and she uh, sang a, uh, a lot of. Uh, in fact, this is definitely early sixties because okay. she sang a lot of pop cover songs. Oh, okay, including this cover of "A Hard Day's." And this. There's two albums worth of that. There's two albums worth of her singing the wrong kind of music for her voice. Yes. Which is what that is. Yes. You do like this. I love Mrs. Miller. I unabashedly love Mrs. Miller. Uh, do you own her albums? I don't own the albums, but I own you know, MP3s. You got of, the MP3s yeah. of, of whatever's available. Yes. Uh, and another one of my absolute favorites of yes. this genre is a gentleman named Shuby Taylor. 
Shuby. Shuby Taylor. I love Sh- uh, Was born, I, I remember I was reading his Wikipedia entry this morning. He was born, I think, in Illinois or Indiana. Ended up living in Harlem. Okay. Wanted to be a musician, was a fan of scat music. Okay. And according- What, you, what are we talking? We're talking, uh, he was doing this through sort of the 60s into the, in, even into the 70s and 80s, I think. Okay. Just sort of on his own. Right. Uh, and uh, according to story and legend- uh, he he always called himself Shuby Taylor the Human Horn, and supposedly Dizzy Gillespie told him he could call himself that. Okay, because uh, that's he, a Dizzy Gillespie reference. Uh, no, I think he just met Dizzy Gillespie, oh. <laughs> and somewhere like Dizzy and said, he was like, "That's yeah, okay. the Human Horn." Or human he said, horn. "I'm Shuby Taylor the Human Horn," and Dizzy said, "Yes, you are," <laughs> or something oh, along go. those lines. And he took that as uh, a credit, and he made some recordings, mostly of himself scatting over the top of pre-existing instrumental recordings. Wow. Uh, he ended up appearing in the early 80s on Showtime at the Apollo. Okay. And was unceremoniously booed off stage. This clip exists <gasps> on YouTube. Right. He was booed off stage very quickly. Uh, but his appearance came to the attention of uh, a couple of people, one of them being a gentleman named Erwin Chuzid, who is a music historian and the cha- he coined the term outsider music. Okay. And sort of a champion of, oh, did he? of this, uh, uh, according to his Wikipedia entry. Right, right. Uh, and uh, curated numerous collections of outsider music, uh, among other things. Right. Uh, but he was a champion of the, of the format. And they, he and this other person, I believe a record executive, right. um, it might have been one of the members of NRBQ because I know they are also fans of outsider music and have championed what others as well. What is NRBQ? NRBQ is a band. Okay. Um, uh, just sort of a... Rock poppy, band? poppy rock guitar ish band, very uh, jingle jangle rock kind of okay. thing. Okay, oh, nice. um, but you know, several of them are also huge fans of this music because a lot of this type of thing tends to circulate on tapes between musicians right. and recording studio employees and such. Like people, you know, because someone right, will just pay just to come into bootleggy. a bootleggy. Yeah, 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 very bootleggy because someone will come into a recording studio, pay their money to record this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, on, on their own dime, and and the engineer is like, "Wow, this is incredibly awful!" and makes a copy for themselves and send it to their buddy, and it just right, you know, in, so in the old it's days, it's just like the right. Well, first of all, I love the commitment between the twenties through the through even the eighties, yeah, of the kind of tech you had to really commit. Yeah, you had you to, had to find yourself. Even a mini disc recorder, yeah, was a thing that comics would like talk about. Hey, that guy has a mini disc recorder. When we were all recording our <laughs> our sets, we were mostly doing it on Walkmans, and so it was like, yeah. So the I love I love the commitment to the tech. Sure. That so it takes here's to. a little bit of Shuby Taylor. A little bit of Shuby Taylor. Stout Hearted Men, which is maybe my favorite Shuby Taylor track. We're going to let this one go for a little bit because it evolves. You got to stick with this one. Verse two. Verse two. Oh my God! He's hitting his stride. Yeah. 
I should also mention the video that I'm playing this off of has this all transcribed on the screen while it's going by. Captioning. So there's Shuby Taylor for you. There's Shuby Taylor, you guys. Your enjoyment of that is palpable. It, quite I, honestly. I just it gives me such <laughs> joy every time I hear that song. And either and it's a thing I you know, I don't begrudge people who don't like it. Right. But if you like it, I know that you can be my friend. <laughs> you understand me if you enjoy that recording. It, now can you sing along with any of this? Uh H- have you just ripped the MP3s and do you play it in your car? Uh it it certainly ends up on a loop. Uh, you know, I have various yeah. playlists. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I'm not listening to podcasts in the sure, car, sure. And it comes up pretty regularly. I love. It's a song I love to play for people. Like when I've met a person and yep. we we become friends and nice we start sharing. Test. We start. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's a litmus test for friends once we reach a certain point. Like, right. can you handle all of me? <laughs> Right. If you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. If this is your biggest secret, by the way, <laughs> you're a gem. It's all working out for you. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, the thing is, is it, it reminds me, and I've told the story before, but I love to tell it. So I'm going to tell it again. I saw mime. I saw Japanese mime in Melbourne, Australia. Two Japanese guys, silent uh, the first 15 minutes were essentially dad magic. Mm-hmm. It was a silent sort of like finding coins out of other people's noses, uh, d- uh, walking behind a couch, making it look like an escalator, and um, kind of that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then the last 45 minutes, it was an hour-long show, was them recreating sort of uh, the main event uh, or a Rocky-like situation Okay, where uh, there was one guy was a shadow boxer, one guy was a boxer, and the other guy was his manager, and in the end... Uh, spoiler alert, if you ever see these two Japanese mimes from 15 years ago, uh, he throws in the towel. And uh, I remember sitting next to Marie Bamford and saying to her, this is amazing, but what do you do with it? And she looked at me and she said, it's not broken. <laughs> it is exactly what it is. It is what it is, yes. And you love it or that's, you don't love it. That's very and it's zen. amazing. Yep. And she's right. She was like, because you look at like, and especially here in Los Angeles or New York or you're in a place where the music industry or the entertainment industry is like, this is great. How can I monetize it? Or yeah. how can I do something with it? And you're like, yep. you don't have to do anything with it. It's and already I'm, doing it. It's doing exactly what it was meant to do, which yep. was uh, be there. <laughs> and you can love it or hate it, but it's there. Yep. Here's uh, another relatively quick example. Uh, yep. A last example of this sort of sincere ineptness uh, category of mine. Uh, again, reasonably popular among people who like this kind of thing. Uh, right. A band called The Shags, which was a trio of sisters. Sisters? Yes. Love uh, it. Their father, who was some sort of doctor, I cannot remember what type. Podiatrist. Let's go. Let's say podiatrist. Yes. Was told when he was young by a palm reader that he would marry, marry a strawberry blonde woman. He would have two sons, and his daughters would be an incredibly popular music act. Like the Andrews The first two things came true. He went looking for a strawberry He probably blonde. did. Mm-hmm. He had two sons and decided he was going to follow through. So he pulled his three daughters out of school 
and made them at get... At the age of? Uh, various ages of teens. Okay. And made them get music lessons. Right. And instrument lessons. Are we talking 50s, 60s And write songs. Again? I believe we are talking 60s. Thank God. And they... Put made several recordings, right? And they never got any better than this. <laughs> than this, the Shags, ladies and gentlemen. There are three of them. They somehow managed to be in four different tempos. <laughs> are they speaking English? They are. This is a song called Philosophy of the World. <laughs> are they playing? They are playing their own and playing a song that they wrote, all music that they wrote. On a harpsichord? What are they playing? They're playing guitar and bass and drums. That doesn't haltingly. sound like any haltingly, and that doesn't sound like any of those instruments. Uh, it sounded like a um, a pianoforte from it the did, early eighteen yeah. hundreds. That's a, another another great quality of a lot yeah. of outsider music is the the incredible low fidelity, right? The of tinny a lot of quality, the, the tinny of the, quality of the recording that was probably done cheaply to begin with, and then often having gone through numerous copies oh, of right, copies. Right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it just got, sort of adds a sheen of. <laughs> Of what it was je ne sais quoi. <laughs> <laughs> je ne sais quoi, I think, is, is the way. Yes. Um, uh, so that's one whole category, In again, in my mind. I'm not saying this is an authoritative breakdown of no. outsider music. And I, I like, I mean, you seem, are, is there anything current? Like, are, are you constantly finding new stuff? Or I, do you like to go the rabbit hole of the sort of back in the day? I don't. Uh, I, I don't look for it as as much as I used to, certainly. I okay. can't think of anything offhand that's particularly current. Although, again, given the nature of technology in the last five to ten years, right. there's, if anything, more of it out there, there than there, was there a, ever was. Right. There, I, there was an episode of The Dork Forest. I can't remember the name of the comic who I had on who loves uh, this sort of thing, but um, homemade videos. Yes. He likes a homemade video of, of uh, either... Um, an interview program or an advertising, like people mm-hmm. doing their own ads for their own. Yes. Uh, like local, local ads local for their own ads for yeah. their own insurance company or yeah. whatever. And or he mattress store enjoys or, yep. with the power of the sun. This, yes. Uh, this sort yes. of thing. There, that's, it's, right. I, I think it comes from the same place. Now, have you, and the thing is, is the Joko Cruise is full of people who are all artists at various degrees of levels, yes. I think. They are all creative people on all levels. So mm-hmm. have you met people on the cruise who know who these people are? Have you, Do you meet people? Do you run into people with your dorkdom? I'm sure that I have, although I honestly can't think. I can't think of having discussed it much on the cruise itself, only because I spend most of the cruise running working. around from event to event and working. <laughs> right. There's not a lot of time of sitting down and sharing this stuff. Right. And then when I have to, so much of it is internet-based, and the internet yes. is so terrible on the ship. Yes. But that said, uh, I have to believe... That, that they're that, out there, that, it, that, that your are, people yes. are out there, and that they're on that damn cruise. Yes. But uh, now, let me ask briefly, has this... Now you've been you've been you've been in love with this outsider music yes. since college. I'm I'm, I'm uh, assuming yes, right? or, yes. Yeah. Has it affected your own music? Um what does it do to yours and Storm's 
a creative process? Does it do anything? That is an interesting question that yeah. I have never considered. Because Storm does share a certain degree of love for this. Certainly, you know, I, I when I find this kind of thing, he's one of the first people I send it to. Sure. Uh, I I think it is, if anything, been kind of a subconscious uh, oh, effect on our process. Just a celebration of the of the absurd. Yeah. That can. You're like, well, that didn't go well. Who cares? Yeah, to exactly. some extent, exactly. And sort of, and and certainly, I think it helped. Hearing this sort of thing, subconsciously at least, I think helps us embrace our flaws and our shortcomings, right? Rather than lament them or beat yourself up or beat ourselves yeah. up about them, find ways to work around them, or at least find ways to work with them, right? You know, right. work towards your strengths and work. make your weaknesses a little stronger <laughs> and pretend that they're strengths. Yep. Sure. Uh, you know, I mean, for, I'm a terrible, I'm a terrible instrumentalist. I, I'm, I played trumpet for 14 years. I'm very good at trumpet. Right. But I am a terrible. You can't play a lot of trumpet in a comedy right. music duo. <laughs> no, no, that doesn't lend itself. Uh, so uh, I'm, mostly I'm, because your embouchure is yes. busy uh, trumpeting. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. Uh, and it's not a great accompanying instrument. <laughs> it's <laughs> right. Not, it's, it's not built for anything besides being loud and out front. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is overpowering. Yeah. I, I played the trumpet myself. So. Oh, well, so you not, know. Not well. Okay. By the way, uh, I was clarinet uh-huh. uh, through uh, grade school, junior high, and high school concert. And then when it was marching band time, I switched to trumpet because it was, was more it because, fun. Oh, what, okay, I was going to ask, was it a, we need more trumpets, hey, you go be tr- a trumpet player? Or was it, I want to do something else in marching band? That happened in concert band with my clarinet to bass clarinet. Uh-huh. There was no bass clarinet people. And they're like, you can have a free bass clarinet if you uh, are willing to play bass <laughs> clarinet. And I was like, I'll play bass you clarinet. You had me at free. Exactly. It was like one, two, three, four, bump, bump. And then you'd look forward to it. You'd yep. look forward to those yep. measures. Man. Sure. Were you in the marching band? I was in all the bands. All the bands? Marching band, concert jazz. band, jazz band. I was that was my that, that was my Well that, that that's thing. the that's the hierarchy, right? Yeah. And you, in fact that was my dorkdom for a very long time was Was jazz? Jazz band. Not yeah. jazz oh, music yeah. per se, but big band music and specifically the more sort of orchestral stuff like Stan Kenton and Buddy Rich and Louis oh, Belson Orchestra and, and things like that. Um, that's Were you in college marching band? I was for two years. I was at Penn State. I was in the blue band. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah I, was, uh, I tried out for the marching band at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, mm-hmm. Madison, which is where I went to college. And uh, the reason I went to college was because of Mike LeCrone and the marching band. And uh, the last day of tryouts, I had to miss because my brother was like, uh, I got us a ride home. Uh, you can either be in the band or get a free ride home. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what's happening? And uh, and I was like, well, I don't need, I want to be in the band. That's why I came to college. He's like, well, I got a job for you anyway at the football games. So selling t-shirts. Do you want to make money or lose money? Get in the car. <laughs> get in the car. And uh, so I, I, and the thing is, is it was not even a foregone conclusion that I would have made the band. Yeah. Uh, I learned how to read music when I was 16. And mm. my sister noticed that I wasn't reading music. Uh-huh. And she was like, what are you doing? You're not reading music. You're fucking learn to read music. And I was like, <laughs> well, I don't need to. I, I got the fingerings memorized. And she's like, that's crazy that that's you made it that far. Yeah. Without reading music. I know it. I know. And, uh, um, it was, I just memorized fingerings and wow. which just is sort of what watching sort of, the people next to you kind of thing. As far as what the, I, I, I was, parts half, were? I wasn't, I just wasn't very good at reading music okay. and my sister and I, and I, and I couldn't do it as well as she could. And she was like, we're gonna we're gonna sit down here for a second, and uh, she would turn. <laughs> Let's up, talk, Jackie. We're gonna talk, and then she fixed it. But uh, yeah, so 
uh, I love I love that there is this. You're right. Yes. And now, and there are other categories of it. When you talk about things that are hit or have been more famous, another aspect, some people consider it outsider, some people don't, is uh, celebrities doing music. Oh, like Shatner. Yeah, Shatner is easily the most famous example yeah. of that. Uh, and there is actually what got me into this whole genre to begin with was there was a series of collections by Rhino Records called Golden Throats, <laughs> which was just collections of celebrity vanity projects and right. or people sort of, you know, let's jump on this trend and yeah. and do and do this thing. You know, there's Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner. There's a wonderful recording of Jack Webb from Dragnet. Oh, speaking. Try a little tenderness. Wow. Rather than singing it, what, uh, who sang "Try a Little Tenderness"? That was uh, Otis Redding. Okay, sort of a famous soul sure record, uh, and that is its own. It's 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 almost a different category of love for me. I do love sure, uh, it, but it's it a little more ironic. It's a parallel. It's a more ironic appreciation, and it's sort of almost uh, Schadenfreude is maybe a little overstating it. But seeing the hubris of someone thinking I'm good at this one thing or I'm successful at this one thing. <laughs> I'm going to go try this other thing because, of course, I can do that too. Right? It's when comedians paint. It's the it's uh, the uh, return of Bruno uh, fallacy. I like to think of it as, which is um, uh, Bruce Willis. Okay. After his first year, I believe, or second year of success on Moonlighting, right? Got a record deal. That's right. And put out an album called The Return of Bruno. And it wasn't good. It it didn't wasn't even awful. That's the problem. Is it is just incredibly mediocre blues music. Right. It was, and, and it is the the most vanity of vanity projects that they ended up making a one hour HBO special about it with a whole bunch of very well known people. Uh, it's a fake documentary about this alleged blues legend uh, Bruno, and he was coming back to do this new concert, and they had these various talking head established musicians talking about how great Bruno was, and they have these fake uh, photos that they're panning past, right. and then the second half of it is. Uh, some songs from this concert that Bruce Willis so did. So it was actually more a vanity project. Yes, it absolutely was. And many of them were, and some of them were just, you know, executives saying, you know, hey, the, you know, these, uh, these psychedelic songs are a hit with the kids. Go sing Mr. Tambourine Man. <laughs> right. Wow. What was, uh, I'm, for, I'm spacing the name, turn it up to 11. Oh, uh, uh, Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap. What would, the, I mean, that is essentially. Spinal Tap is kind of pastiche. Okay. It is... What does that word mean in this case? It means... Um, it's not an outright parody of a specific thing. It is right. more a lampooning or a parody of a genre, I like to think of it as, or a, or a musical type, at least. Like, a lot of the songs that we do, a lot of the songs Weird Al does are direct parodies. Right. Uh, the famous ones, that you know, like Eat It and, yes. and Fat and things like that. But then there's a whole bunch of other songs that he does, and also most of the songs we do are more pastiches. Like, he has a song, for example, I'm trying to think of some of his more famous examples, a song, Dare to be Stupid. Okay. Okay. is done in the style of Devo, but it is not making fun of a specific Devo song. It is just taking sort of the cliches and the the popular patterns and style of that particular You can band. kind of recognize Yeah, you recognize this sounds like a Devo song. Okay. And it's sort of like the ultimate Devo, Devo song. Right, right, right. Uh, and okay. we do a lot of that where we will do a country and Western song. It's not necessarily making fun of country and Western per se, Got but it. it will take a lot of the tropes of a particular type of country song and, and, and we'll then, riff on that or we'll use that and juxtapose it with some subject matter that doesn't apply. Okay, and that's a pastiche. That's 
that's pastiche. Okay. Uh, I may not have that exactly right, but that's my own internal I'm... definition, and I think it's close enough. Right. And use it in a sentence. You've done. You've done great work. Yes. And, and so I... and so, uh, Spinal Tap is kind of pastiche of. Metal? Uh, metal, in a way, and also just rock bands who are past their prime, okay. trying to stay in the spotlight. There we go. Uh, and yeah. it is also, you know, the film itself is a bit of a pastiche of documentaries we- and... Uh, what were you going to say? Uh, music and lyrics. Uh, the movie Music and Lyrics oh. <laughs> is about the, essentially, ostensibly, about the guy who isn't George Michael in Wham. Yes. So uh, it, that is sort yes. of a pastiche. And, and the song, yeah, the, the big song, uh, his, the, his hit oh, from his that hit. old group, yeah. that is a pastiche of Wham songs. It that is, is a, a very good pastiche of Wham songs. And written by Fountains of Wayne. Yes. Or, so, uh, or Adam Schlesinger. The guy from Fountains of yes. Wayne. Yeah. And then there is also a pastiche within a pastiche because of Cora. Uh, who is? It? I just saw it again. Uh, Cora is the Shakira-like uh, yes. pop singer in the in the thing, and yes, she right. is a pop singer, and she is awesome. I don't know who that actress is, and I hope that uh, she is uh, fabulously wealthy, sitting right. in a gravy boat. He, here's hoping she's amazing. Yeah, yeah um, that, that, that's a, that's an underappreciated movie. That is an underappreciated. movie. I mean, movie. it's got its flaws, but it but oh, it's all kinds of yeah, better the, than the success that it saw. Right, right. It, it, it there's a couple of jarring couple like two weeks notice. The same guy. Right. Uh, the other two movies that he did right after that, because clearly he is friends with Hugh Grant, are terrible. Right. Uh, he's not in New York, and for some reason he's uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's taking it he's taking it out of New York City, and it's he, there's one with Hugh Grant and Sarah Jessica Parker in the woods, mm-hmm. terrible, and then there's something else after that that is also terrible. So uh, <laughs> that guy needs to do set all of his films in New York City. I'm afraid. Yeah. Anyway, or at least a large. Uh, uh, if we have time, I wanted to get yeah. to one more category. Oh, this is please. actually my favorite category because <laughs> it is so rare. Oh, the uh, rare category. It's I guess it's sort of a subcategory where. It's outsider music that somehow finds its own true beauty. Like it ends up rising above its amateur and lo-fi status. Okay. Uh, my favorite example of it is uh, a thing called the Langley Schools Music Project. And this is uh, a choir from rural Canada in the early mid-70s Okay, that recorded not for selling or 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 giving out even it was just uh, this you know their director was kind of a hip wanted this group to cover contemporary songs yeah and they just sort of rolled tape on for some concerts kind of, for themselves as a and, reference yeah and it was found by i think uh i think this may have been an Irwin chuzid uh project that he the found and, and, and yeah uh, the yeah the historian yeah i think he may have been the person who actually found this and said you know the people need to hear this and it's just this elementary school choir doing covers of you know pop songs of the day right but they they have it such a simplicity and sincerity around them that uh, they like they rise above their their, their limitations their limitations exactly yeah, yeah. this okay. is uh, this is a their cover of space oddity i'll play a little bit of it Start slow. <laughs> no worries. Are they playing the instruments? Uh, so, yeah, some of them. Well, this is adorable, is it? Yeah. Take your protein pills and put your helmet on. 
really love counting. Yeah. They're nailing the counting. But And there's a whole series of these. Uh, I didn't bring it with me, but I'll give you the link that you can maybe link yeah. to. Uh, they do a version of Desperado. It's just piano and one of the kids. There's yeah. this little girl singing Desperado. And it really, like, it brings me to tears. Yeah. It's just pretty and simple, and it's the right song sung by the right person. The right kid. And and the right kid yeah. and the right style. And it is, you know, it's it's the... It's not great. It's the polar opposite like, of the Eagles. Right. And it's and it's technically not... I mean, the thing yeah. is, is, is I could have I could have someone on the dork forest who loves a technical. Yeah. You know, who, who loves someone who sings like a bell, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. That guy who sings for Harvey Danger, weirdly enough. Oh, comes right. To uh, Sean Nelson. Okay. His voice uh, at its finest is the clearest, most beautiful thing I think I've ever. It, it's, he he yep. sounded like an angel. Yeah. He's, anyway, he's something. it was a beautiful voice. Anyway, but this is not that. Yeah. But the sincerity is what yeah, moves there's, you to Yeah. There's just emotion. Uh, underneath all of the, you know, the limitations, there's a purity and there's, there's talent in there. Yeah. Somewhere. And it just get and it gets at the, you know, it, it gets at the core of that song somehow, somehow that you wouldn't imagine like a eight nine-year-old girl singing desperado is right but somehow it's perfectly right <laughs> right when it's accompanied by just sort of you know the the elementary school piano right that's when, been wheeled into the cafeteria right it's played by like a 70 year old woman who's been playing yes <laughs> i love that um so I'll, I'll get that link to you and you can put that up as well but I, the langley school's music project is langley school. uh, things like and and at the same time, I also have an incredible love for recordings of really terrible, like elementary school bands and orchestras. Oh, I, that's that's funny because we were in those. Yes, we were in all of those, and and I and it's funny because I have children yeah. who in turn went and on and did choir and such. And having gone through it myself, I marvel at my parents' ability to have sat through all of those concerts I made them go to. When you think about, uh, sometimes I I. I have belittled my parents' parenting, and then I think about my sister learning to play the violin, oh. and I think that is right. And they insisted that that's, we all learn instruments. That's sainthood. That's parenting. Yeah, where you are willing to sit through beginning violin. Yeah, and you're like, oh, good lord! And I remember when summer came in Wisconsin, and my parents were like, "You got to practice in the garage, <laughs> and uh, you got to practice in the garage, and but you have to practice. Uh, go practice." Uh, in the garage. And it was like, away from here, wherever it is. Right. Three months of almost a reprieve because the garage yeah. isn't that far from the house. Right. Anyway, but it's not the room over. Yeah, they're, the, and... they're the only months in Wisconsin when it's not 30 <laughs> degrees or below. Exactly. So uh, it feels like it, like this kind of outsider music is what makes movies like music and lyrics, not music and lyrics, but mo- movies like, I don't know, School of Rock. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. With more production. And funny enough, you mentioned that because yeah. according to the Langley Schools Music Project Wikipedia page, uh, School of Rock was inspired in some degree by the Langley Schools Music Project. Well, that actually makes perfect sense because uh, that's where people get ideas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they take them from sincere, There are no original ideas. Right. And they take them from sincere people out in the boonies. Yes. Uh, <laughs> right. The people in the boonies are living their lives yep. in a very sincere, authentic way. And somebody and in Hollywood says, how can I exploit this? Exi- how can I turn that into a gajillion dollars so yep. I can buy, I can get my pool relined? Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, you can uh, let it happen. Uh, and that's actually, and like Jack Black and Tenacious D is an example of something oh, right. more recent where it's it's a parody you know it's yeah. comedy but it is they're 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 actually doing basically this kind of thing it's terrible musicians earnestly playing and believing that they are succeeding at rocking out right 
and it's somehow you know that that's like the whole beauty of Tenacious D to me is it's doing that on that level and then it rises above it and their songs are actually really good right as they get better and the, but as, they started out they were kidding yes and then they weren't yes and but they're also like they're very I mean Jack Black has an incredible voice yes and, and um uh the rest uh, of them uh, JB yeah. uh, uh, uh Cage I uh, got. Rage Cage. What is his actual name? I'm in show business in the part that doesn't know anybody's name. So, uh, he, and he's he's a phenomenal guitarist. Oh, actually. that's great. Yeah. And he, he did a great job of sort of finding, threading the needle of sounding kind of amateurish, yeah, in a way, but also really anchoring these songs. And then they go and they record them with actual rock legends like Dave Grohl yeah. and put out actual rocking great fabulous music right and them just going through these weird meta loops yeah just blows my mind that that i mean that is actually where i mean because the thing is is if if you're willing to listen to the earnestness of the florence foster jo- johnson's jenkins of the, jenkins, yeah. jenkins yeah. interesting uh and uh <laughs> <laughs> then you can't i mean the thing is is you can learn there's so much humanity yeah. to it that I love. Yeah. Yeah. People are flawed and people are not great at most things. Do you know uh, Karen Kilgariff? Uh, you know not the, personally, the but I'm a, of, I'm The a works fan. of Karen Kilgariff? <laughs> yes. Because uh, probably a year ago we were on the same show um, and she, I remember when she was in the girls guitar group in like 90 with Marilyn Rice Cub and oh, wow. her and Marilyn Rice Cub would just noodle around on, on their instruments mm-hmm. and Karen was learning to play the guitar and she was learning how to play the guitar. So uh, I was like, man, you've gotten so much better. And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, I can no longer uh, even make fun of myself because I'm actually not great, but not bad. <laughs> not bad. And uh, she's like, I can't, I can't uh, sort of mock herself as a, as a save on yep. stage yep. because she should know how to play the thing. <laughs> yep. And there's a difference between this sort of thing and camp. Which they're they're related in a way, but like camp, I I always feels like there's a self consciousness to it, and it's intended to be appreciated kind of ironically. There's a distance like a within hairspray it, kind like of a hairspray or, kind of thing, or or um, money, uh, not, not money python, uh, the, uh, holy rocky horror. Oh yes, there we go. Yes, <laughs> rocky horror. Uh, yeah, to varying degrees, absolutely. Yeah. But like, but I think they're parallel lines. Yeah, they're parallel lines, and there there there's a lot of they share a lot of the same DNA, but like, like my appreciation for mo- a lot of this outsider music, while a lot of it is laughing at how terrible a thing it is, right? at its core, I, it shouldn't be, to my mind, it shouldn't have that ironic detachment. It shouldn't be camp. It, you're, not a pre, you're not ironically sort of looking at a thing from above going, wow, isn't that adorable and, right. and how terrible it is. Like, you have right. to appreciate there's a real something appreci- underneath it. Yeah, yeah, there's a real humanity to it. Because I think that those columns are super separate, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's a spectrum of how snarky and mean you want to get yeah and uh sometimes it sometimes we're all snarky and mean yeah and sometimes we're and but we can all appreciate a nine-year-old singing desperado yeah because unless uh well unless you can't and or you're a monster i don't know what those two (laughs) things whether i'm not saying you're whatever it's uh but they're yeah i think they're different columns but they're in the same graph to some extent so that's neat uh we do you have more on this, or do you want to do you want to talk about your your love of the DVD? Oh, commentary? I can always find it. Let me see if I have anything else. I, I have some references and links that I will provide for you uh, to put up again. Um, 
I will there's... say that that the comment, the only commentary track is that that was your other dorkdom. Oh, was yes. two weeks' notice. Oh, really? Did yeah, you the, listen through? Yeah, that's the only commentary track I've ever <laughs> listened to, and it was Hugh Grant, Sandra Bullock, and the guy who wrote and directed it. Oh, okay. And it was hilarious. Oh, yeah. Because of how. Um, they just busted Hugh Grant's balls the entire time. That's outstanding. It was outstanding because uh, there's a, an initial, there's a scene in two weeks' notice where he is playing a CEO lecturing this group, mm-hmm. and Sandra Bullock says, "How many women did he hit on in this audience?" Uh, and uh, you know, and it's it's, I like to think that Hugh Grant hits on women sort of like my dad hits on women, which is constant, but without <laughs> any touching. Uh-huh. Like that, it is not a forceful kind of hitting. Got it. The way my father hits on on women, it is a laid back. This is available if you were to want he's, in on he's this. He's a flirt. He's a flirt, but it's not it's not aggressive at all. Okay. It is more. He's aggressively chatty. Okay, but he's not aggressively flirty. It's Got more it. of a laid back. Got it. Uh, I think uh, you might be interested. Would you be interested? I'm eighty. <laughs> But I look like I'm 50 in my head, and you're like mm, 80 pop. Anyway, so uh, the, one of the other uh, great sources for me for when I really took the deep dive into this type of outsider yes. music was uh, a thing run by a person that works at uh, radio station WFMU, which is I believe in Jersey or New York. Okay, uh, it was called the three, 365 Days Project. Okay, where this person and a bunch of contributors. Once it, you know, every day he'd post up a new recording of something. Sometimes it is incredibly terrible old children's recordings. Sometimes right. it's uh, a recording. Uh, this is a, a whole other thing I could go into. When people would record letters to relatives yeah. on like a reel to reel tape. Yeah, and just sort of like their annual Christmas. Like, how, how you doing, Rose? It's me, <laughs> Billy. The whole family's here, and we just thought we'd tell you what's going on here. Daisy, why don't you take the microphone for a sec? Yeah, I got a, a toy truck, and you know, just yeah. you know, twenty minutes of somebody, yeah. just a, a peek into somebody's life in 1962. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Who happened to have tech? And then uh, some of the songs that I played today. Are, are posted on there, but it's yeah. just great collection of strange uh, musical ephemera and audio ephemera. Yeah. I, I actually contributed two items over the course of this well project. You, you did it, it once in 2003 and once in 2007. Uh, it's, I'll give you the link. The, the link is WFMU.org slash 365. Okay. Uh, you can find the full listing. Uh, WFMU.org slash 365. 365. Uh, and it just it breaks down the entire you know, two years. Uh, and most of the links are still active. Most of the music links still work. Still which work. Is great. That is great. Uh, but that is that is a, a remarkable resource for just a whole ma- all manner of the just a rabbit sort of hole of and, it, and the stuff. people who and the people do a good job of trying to uh, describe where it came from where they found it a lot of times it's I just go to the flea oh, market and I, I yeah I, I rifle through the bin at, yeah. at the flea market or the garage sale uh, sort of the provenance of these various yes items. yes um, I love that so that's that's a, a real if you want to take a dive into this kind of thing that's a real good. Uh, That's a good resource. Go. And there are a bunch of things, even things like you were talking about, like uh, advertisings, like corporate jingles mm-hmm. and and radio plays. Sure, of that sort of thing. It just there, oh, there are so jingles wonderful. that are in my head from from terrible personalized, you know, from the eighties and this uh, Ernie von Schlathorn owned, uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, a car dealership on. Uh, in Menominee Falls, on Main okay. Street in Menominee Falls. Okay. And I only know that because 
Ernie von Schlater, Main Street and Menominee Falls. Is Menominee Falls in the UP? Is that different uh, from Menominee proper? It is Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. It is uh, just a little town. Because my, my mom's from Menominee up in the... Oh, she's from Menominee. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Menomina. Anyway, <laughs> so that's where I went <laughs> with that. And you'll, uh, you guys, you can clip me singing and put that on that as well. Because uh, I myself am a team singer. Okay. I like to sing in groups. Okay. And mostly happy birthday. Sure. And, uh, but I do, like I sing alone, <laughs> like, like people do. Sure. Uh, and I like, I like to sing. I used to host karaoke. And uh, I was more of a, talk about a vanity project. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there would be one. Uh, but what I love is the old tech, right? Some, some, for me, a little bit of the appeal to this is the fact that you're like, why did you have a reel-to-reel recorder? Mm-hmm. Why did you have a tape recorder in 1935? Because you were an early adopter. An early you're adopter. Like the guy that had the first iPhone. Exactly. You're that guy. Yep. Okay. You're Robert Hurt. Mm-hmm. Anyway, which is a friend of mine. Uh, <laughs> you guys don't know him. Actually, you do, because he talked about his collection of uh, toy spaceships. Aha. Uh, and he works at uh, Jet Propulsion Labs. So, um, But remember Dogtown and Z-Boys, the documentary, not the fiction? Yes. Dogtown and Z-Boys, the documentary was essentially about poor kids in Los Angeles in the early 70s who surfed. Mm-hmm. But because they were poor kids in Los Angeles in the 70s, all their parents owned video recorders. They all, <laughs> I mean, they all owned movie things. So right. there's all this old footage of them surfing. Huh. And um, you're like, well, you weren't rich. And you lived in the shitty version, which is now very not crummy, version of Venice Beach. Um and so then we have this wonderful documentary of right. them being 12 and right. surfing. And it's, I love that found, it's sort of like, it's like time capsule yes. kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's neat. Uh, do we have the time? Do you want to talk yeah. about commentary tracks at all? Sure, let's do it. Let's let's give you that extra ten minutes. Oh, from, aren't you from, sweet? From the, from the beginning I'll, when I talked. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> I'll I'll I'll, just, I'll rush through this because well, just do a couple that you love. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, I'm a huge fan of commentary tracks for movies. When uh, did they start? Uh, they started the DVD, right? when uh, actually when laser discs came out because laser discs were the first medium where you could have a separate audio track. Oh, right, uh, concurrent right. with the main oh, audio track of the movie matched. so you could yeah you could switch uh from one to the other uh and they started becoming incredibly popular um as dvds came out and yeah. things became cheaper yeah yeah uh some of my favorite uh, well, as a general rule my favorite commentary tracks are ones that actually you learn something either about the movie or the industry at the time yeah. or about the actual people involved yeah because uh, there's a lot of terrible and boring commentary tracks uh usually done uh, by a director or a producer who is in the room alone. Because the under, best commentary tracks tend to be groups of people. Yeah, yeah. Under can, duress yeah. is a terrible way yeah. to do a commentary track. Uh, some of the best commentary tracks, uh, Kevin, Kevin Smith movies. Love, love Kevin Smith oh, or really? hate him. He always has very interesting commentary tracks. They are usually done with a whole group of people, as many of the actors as he can get in the room at the same time. And he is, uh, if you're familiar with him and his shows at all, he is not afraid to talk about some of the dirt involved or some oh, of the... He'll name uh, names? Like, he'll name names and talk about, you know, conflicts he may have had with certain actors in the movie or with producers or what have you. Uh, and I find that sort of thing very interesting because so many commentary tracks are just love fests and, oh, this person was so phenomenal and this person was great and everything was wonderful. And I like to hear about right. the things that went wrong. Right. 
that that's certainly much more interesting. What what is a Kevin Smith movie? Uh, I'm sure I know them. There, there's Dogma, Clerks, oh, yeah. Small Rats. I uh, love Dogma. Yes, Dogma is seen. actually one of his best commentary tracks as well. Okay, he has m- many of the actors. I in never there. saw the other two. Yeah. Um, okay, they're a worthwhile watch. I'm you sure know, as good, especially if nothing else, as time capsules of that you know particular era in the 90s yeah. as independent filmmakers could actually break out yeah. like that. Um, so that uh, among those, those those are good to listen to. Uh, the commentary tracks by John Carpenter and Kurt Russell in the movies they did together, specifically The Thing, Big Trouble in Little China, and Escape from New York. Oh, really? Uh, Big Trouble in Little China is one of Andy's favorite movies. The commentary track on that is... <laughs> I wonder if we have the, it with the commentary. The two of them uh, have a really great chemistry. Okay. They, they both love talking, and they love talking to each other and giving yeah. each other a hard time. Okay. And you just get such a wonderful sense of their relationship, but also they say interesting and fun things about the making of the movie. Okay. Uh, well worth watching. Plus the fact that all three of those movies are great. Especially The Thing, which still stands up as one of the best movies, if not, you know, not just horror movies, but one of the best movies of the last several decades. I've only recently heard of it. It's uh, very, very, I've been good. living uh, in a very small box. That's quite all right. Uh, we're going to open the box and we'll we're going to put you box. in a bigger box. Exactly. The Dork Forest is a, is a, is a, there's a, always a new room. Uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy is a phenomenal, they have multiple commentary tracks. One is the director, Peter Jackson, yeah. and uh, his writing and producing partners. Uh, Philip Boyens and the other one whose name I can't remember. Right. Then there's another whole track of him talking with the filmmakers, like the uh, DP and the oh, editor. The cinematographer? And and cinematographer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that group of people. Then there's another whole track that is a whole bunch of the different actors recorded either in pairs here and there or in a group or sometimes separately, but they do a phenomenal job of editing and putting in different people's tracks wow. where they're relevant. Uh, and you know that whole when they when they sort of did the the the, the high end versions of the trilogy like yeah. the extended editions yeah I uh, have... they really they um, they really did up those those commentary tracks and did a phenomenal job. They have any with Christopher Tolkien? Probably not. I don't believe so. No, he's he's a grump. <laughs> and... uh, so those are those are tremendous. This is Spinal Tap has oh. a legendary uh, commentary track done by those three guys in character. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and it is hilarious oh my god that is awesome <laughs> uh then for television uh the simpsons okay uh, their their uh collections always they have commentary tracks for from the pretty writers pretty much or? from writers and producers Excellent. occasionally the voice actors occasionally um hank azaria uh, yeah, will pop in <laughs> yeah the, hank azaria or gardley smith or mm-hmm. uh, any of them are marshall wallace here, yeah marshall yeah. wallace oh god lover uh, that, Early episode ja- of the Dork Forest, Marshall Wallace. Oh, that's yeah. awesome! Yeah, uh, James L. Brooks and Matt mm-hmm. Groening are, are all over them. Uh, and I, I, for just about every episode, certainly for this, I have everything through. I think season ten or eleven. Wow! Uh, and they're all very high quality. Oh, and great! Interesting. Uh, Conan O'Brien appears on a lot of them from well, during that makes his sense. era. Yep. Uh, and he's you know he's Conan. He's hilarious right. he's and Conan. interesting. Dana Gould is there. Uh, you know, I'm, Maybe trying, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure he has to be around. But at I some think he point. was like year sixteen or fourteen. That's yeah. when he started. Uh, you will notice a Dana Gould season of the of uh, the Simpsons when more monkeys are in it. Oh, of course. Uh, he <laughs> always introduces the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, um, and uh, there, uh, what was I going to say about that? I had a really good, interesting thing to say. The Simpsons about the Simpsons commentary tracks, and I'm not remembering. It. Oh, it's uh, the my favorite one of them. 
they show a clip from they did an original pilot of the show who was directed by someone else. And oh, wow. they very strongly disagreed with the direction that this director was taking it in. And the director insisted, because the, he was uh, experienced in animation, these people were not. The director insisted he knew what he was doing and, and that what he was doing was great. They ended up completing that episode or part of that episode, screened it, and everybody realized it was terrible and they threw it all out. Right. They brought back, and it was incred- apparently an incredibly unpleasant experience for everyone involved. <laughs> right. They, they brought back a clip from that to have Matt Groening and James L. Brooks and the showrunners right. watch it. And Matt Groening, I can't remember if it was Matt Groening or James L. Brooks, literally can't stay and watch it. At a, like, about a minute or two him. in, he has to, like, I can't, I, I just can't. You hear him get up and walk out. <laughs> He's complaining. You hear a door slam. He physically couldn't stay in the room to watch it. And it's it so upsetting. Staged, no, it and was staged. No, it was real. It was real. It was for real. He couldn't, yeah. he couldn't stomach it. This will and not I, be look, happening. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then finally, I would say uh, m- maybe my favorite commentary tracks of all time for Mr. Show DVDs. Oh, there you go. They all just gather, like, Pretty much all of them gather into a room. I think yeah. they would go over to Bob Odenkirk's house, yeah. sit around a television, and watch every episode. And, and just riff. I mean, it's all these hilarious people, and they're telling interesting and funny stories about the production of the show, but they will also do things like uh, there's a few really terrible clunker sketches, mm-hmm. and they will make Paul F. Tompkins and Jay Johnston <laughs> re improvise new dialogue for the terrible sketch. <laughs> While it's going on, <laughs> which can't hurt. No, uh, and they're they're just tremendous and almost funnier than the original show. Oh. Certainly rivaling it. Fair oh, oh, and 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 as companion pieces, I think that they could be that. That was what they were supposed to be. I yeah, think, exactly. Those commentary. My favorite. Um, Maria has a DVD mm-hmm. of her solo show in two thousand five or two thousand six in Melbourne, Australia, mm-hmm. and it is called Plan B. That is the name of the solo show. And it is available as a DVD, I think, on stand-up records okay. on Amazon. And it is my favorite thing after when I help her sell merch sometimes after the shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, this is the item that you should get because it is her solo show from 2005 and her parents doing the commentary. Track. Oh, that's so great. It is a goddamn delight. <laughs> and you're like, Marilyn and Joel just saying, well, I don't know if this is what it's... <laughs> are. Well, no, it's whatever you need to do, honey. <laughs> and I can't imagine my father doing that. Oh, I cannot my imagine my parents even watching me do a stand-up for 45 minutes and then be willing to... Though my father would love rebuttal time, of course. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, so, but... Um, uh, and as a final note, uh, yes, if please. you're looking to get into uh, commentary tracks or looking for more sort of general historical information, the Criterion yeah. Collection, as a rule... Uh, puts out really tremendous. Oh uh, wow! Like especially you know if the film where Their the filmmaker versions? is long dead, they will have a film historian come in or a person who's very knowledgeable about uh, that particular genre. Like there's a, the commentary track for Seven Samurai is. Um, uh, a professor who's knowledgeable in Japanese cinema and, oh, cool. and just gives lots of really great and interesting context for yeah, fun fact galore. That's for, the for both the history that's being shown in the movie yep. that most Americans are unfamiliar with, and then the context of when they were making this movie in the mid fifties and what Japanese cinema, the state of Japanese cinema at the time, and what Akira Kurosawa was doing, things like that. That's amazing. Um, there's also uh, Roger Ebert has several really great uh, commentary tracks. Rest in peace, Roger. Yeah, uh, for Casablanca. And for uh, Citizen Kane. Oh, wow. Uh, they're very good introductions to 
to how commentary tracks should be done. I think I have shitty versions of some DVDs that don't have commentary tracks, mm. but it's th- that would be a reason to get the Criterion yes. collection or a, or a nicer version. Yes. Yeah. I think those last two aren't actually on Criterion, but... But yeah. they're they're of of a similar quality, right? They're they're the and highly recommended. Paul Saborin, uh, you've done vital work here. Thank you, thank you very much, Jackie Kashian. Welcome to I, being on the Dork Forest. It has been a genuine pleasure. It was super fun, and uh, I didn't think I was going to be able to fill the hour. Honestly, <laughs> I was really sweating it. Oh, not a problem. <laughs> we uh, so imagine I'm able to talk about stuff. Yeah, I think at uh, who knew? Yeah, I think at 50 minutes uh, we were still talking about outsider music. So you're good. Shame on You've me. You've done great work. It's at Paul and Storm and paulandstorm.com and you can get all the albums. You can go on the Joko Cruise. There's probably still room. Yep. Uh, okay. There's still room. J-O-C-O-Cruise.com. There you go. You can see our full lineup. That includes Maria Bamford and Jackie Cation, among many, many others. And Kay Jemison, who I just started reading her stuff. Yes. Uh, uh, science fiction and uh, is outstanding. Yes. So um, other than that, uh, Mystery Science Theater 3K, uh, 3000. Uh, you yes, did there, some writing and some music on that. music on that. You can find that on Netflix. And uh, you guys, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?